Well, good morning, everybody. How is everyone? I'm excited for student lunch afterwards. I'm not a student, but I will be serving. So maybe if there's food left over, I might be able to eat some. It's gone quiet, so I guess there's no spare food. Not to set my expectations. Well, we are going through a series as a church right now on prayer. And for those of you who heard me share um, last week, I kicked us off um, in Matthew 6, but I talked actually not only about the posture of how Jesus calls us to pray, which is very practical, go into into a room, shut the door, get before the Father who sees you in secret and pray to him and he will reward you. We went through that, but then I talked about intercession about the importance of that when we pray, we've been given access and authority and a vision from the Father to lift up one another in prayer in secret. That the person you're sat next to, the person behind or in front, you have the words to declare over the people that the Lord will move on them and that they will become the very person that God's called them to be. And this morning I'm going to continue, and we're going to continue in Matthew 6, and we're actually going to go through the Lord's Prayer together. And it's, a, as you know, a very well-known prayer. And actually, I said this last week, and I, I'm going to say it again, that every single person in this room, whether you've been, um, either grew up in the church, or this is your first time in church, whether, this is the, whether you've been in relationship with the Lord for two days or 25 years, All of us are called to pray. And when we pray, we all enter into the same door. And that there are keys today that I would love to remind us as a house so that we can you can be equipped on knowing how to pray. I think we are living in days where the authority of a believer needs to be spoken out by what we pray. And that we as a house are to build not a house, just a house of prayer, but a culture of prayer. And it starts by humbling ourselves, slowing down, and reading and seeing how Jesus has set us up to pray. So I'm going to pray for us before I share. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would speak through me this morning And Lord, that you would give me the words that you are saying to everyone in this room or online. Father, we want to pray like you. We want to live a life of prayer. And Father, we want to be everything that you've called us to be in this season. Amen. Just before um, I I, I talk about it, I thought I was... um, Speaking to a good friend of mine, Mal Caladine, he's um, a friend of mine, I don't know if you've heard, he's spoken here before, and I told him I was going to be speaking on this, and he sent me very kindly a, uh, some slides that he uses while he's teaching this as a tool. And so I'm going to throw up the first slide, and can, can everyone give me a guess of where this uh, image comes from? Okay, Trivial, but James, you've clearly been camping and played Trivial Pursuit as a family. Um, but everyone, hands up, you played the game Trivial Pursuit. You guys know the rules of the game. You need to collect all the cheese wedges, is what we call them. And then if you complete it, you win. Well, t- today, guys, we're going to go through the uh, Lord's Prayer, collecting cheese wedges as we go through it. Now, strap, strap in, okay? Get ready. 
Um, and I'm also going to prepare you that there's going to be certain parts of this is going to be interactive and you're going to either turn to the person to your left and right and you're going to do something with them. Don't worry. And if you don't know them, you're going to know them by the end of this talk. Okay. All right. Well, when Jesus quickly said just before he talked about the Lord's Prayer, he said this, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. And then he says, pray like this. And I'm going to read this. But I want to just highlight this word that he says, babbling on. You could look at the meaning of it. It almost comes from a place of vain repetitions. Really words that are empty or useless. And Jesus is saying, me and the Father do not listen to those words. But do you know what we listen to? In Psalm 5, Psalm 51, 6 says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. When we pray, and what the Father is looking for is the real you. It is not the fake you. It's not the words you think he wants to hear. Prayer is an honest place where you can say exactly what you think, feel, to say to the Lord. And Jesus is saying, before you pray, please tell me what you really think. Tell me exactly what you are thinking and feeling right now. Jesus desires relationship with you. So does the Father. And so when we enter and when we say, let's pray, I want it to just for you to hear the words of Jesus. Vain repetition, empty words, he's not interested in. But he's interested in exactly what you're thinking. So honesty, real relationship. We all know that when we're with people and you ask them, how are you? And you know that they're not giving you the real answer. Jesus is highlighting to his kids, to all of us in this room, when you pray, be real. Be you. Bring everything to the table. Because that's what he wants to hear. And so I'm going to throw up as we go. I'm not going to throw up, literally. I'm going to throw up the slide. Interesting pause there. I'm going to throw up the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to read it together. And I want you to just posture your heart as if you're reading it for the very first time, church, because I appreciate, you know, I've heard it said many times here before that preaching on messages, on verses, on stories that you've heard a hundred times, they are actually sometimes the hardest to communicate because there can be an element of, I've heard it, seen it. And I know where this is going. But as you know, Scripture, when we read God's Word, there is always more to digest. Is that agreed? So let's read the Lord's Prayer and just pretend you've never read it before and say, Lord, would you speak to me through it? Okay, I'm going to throw it up. We're going to read it together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Okay, 
All right, we'll go to the next slide, and we're going to start with the very first one, which is Father, which is the first verse that we read. It's, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Everyone say to me, Our Father. Now, the very thing that we have just said out loud. It's not only worship, but it's truth. But as we in this room or online, as we've said it, what we've all confessed is that we all have the same Father. And that as a family of God, because we confess that, what we are being welcomed and drawn into in this very part of this prayer is that there's no orphans in the kingdom of God is that we have the same Father. Jesus, he came to this world to reveal who? Shout out louder. Who did he come to reveal? He came to reveal the Father. He came to a world of orphans to show them the Father. And so if you look at the the words and the stories of Jesus, what we can see is that when there was a life-threatening storm that came to the disciples, he stopped it, Because he was showing us what the Father is like. That if the enemy is trying to destroy anyone, the Father wants to stop it. That when Jesus opened the eyes of the blind, he was revealing the heart of the Father. When the woman was caught in adultery, she was going to be stoned to death. And we know in the story that Jesus writes in the sand and all the religious people They all walk away, and he was alone with this woman. What was Jesus revealing the father in this moment? This was a father-daughter moment. It was worth enduring the criticism of religious leaders, worth being misunderstood by the present-day culture, because he came to reveal the father. And I know the cry of the hearts in this room who are listening who are not in this room, that cannot hear my voice, but live next door to you on your street, that are in this city, that are in this nation, every single person is crying out to be known by the Father. So can you see that how we view God as Father is so important when we pray? And it's the very first thing that Jesus, you can see as he's teaching us, he wants us to enter into the posture of prayer by acknowledging who our heavenly father is. And so the question then for us as followers is we have to ask the question, who is God the father to you? Who do you believe him to be? Because who you believe him to be will be the very thing that you believe God to be to yourself. If you believe he's angry, if you believe he's disappointed in you, if you believe he's passive and silent and doesn't even want to listen to your prayers, that is actually how we will project our prayers onto him. We... We are living in a, the age of information, the information age, where we are being told constantly what to think, believe. We're told what to do with, you know, the constant with the, the, the technological age that we live in. There are 
voices upon voices trying to be the loudest in our lives to not only say who you are, but whose you are. And with Jesus coming to reveal the Father in a still, clear voice, 2,000 or however many years ago to now, he is still saying the same thing. You are loved. I died for you. That you are not alone. That my Father is good. And that the Father of lies will do anything to change the way that you see your heavenly Father. You know, we become who we worship. And our focus on what we believe our Heavenly Father to be is critical, not only in how we walk out our lives, but even, as you see, this is the first cheese wedge on our trivial pursuit of the Lord's Prayer. If this is not in the right place, then everything else is off. And so I want you just to take 30 seconds, and I want you to ask the question, Who is the Heavenly Father to me? What do I believe Him to be? Father, I pray that as we just take 30 seconds to actually stop and reflect and think on who we've been worshiping right now. Father, I pray, Lord, for any um, heavy yokes, any demonic yokes, any yokes of disappointment, and, 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 and frustration that has been put on you, Heavenly Father, would you remove them now in the name of Jesus? And I just pray Lord, the, the joy of the Lord to fill every person's heart here, knowing that their Heavenly Father loves them, is for them, and wants nothing but the best for them. Amen. All right, we're going to move on to the next cheese wedge. Are we ready? All right, number two, and I'll read the verse. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is praying the kingship, the lordship of Jesus in our very present day, okay? Now, here's the thing. This very part of the Lord's Prayer, it's a command, not a suggestion, you may think maybe, maybe this prayer is about how to get to heaven. No. What the Lord's prayer is, and it's specifically on this part, is it's declaring and commanding that heaven comes down to our world right now. Heaven has a culture and a value system. It's a city. It's a way of doing life. How, um, how your life is to be lived out, your family, your relationships, your business, healthcare, education, every area of society. When we say kingdom of God come, what we are declaring is the rule and reign of Jesus in every area of our lives. We're asking God to take us on a journey to discover what heaven looks like. It's a prayer that invites God into our lives so that he can speak in and bring everything that he wants. When we say, heaven come, we are declaring, we're not saying nicey-nicey things and we sit on a cloud and listening and listening to Chris Tomlin music. 
We are waging war against any system that is against the kingdom of God. I say again, when we say kingdom of God come, we are declaring war of anything that is against Jesus Christ. So this is not a simple like, hey, we just put on a fridge magnet and say it while the kettle's boiling in our kitchen. It is a, it's a declaration of Jesus' rule and reign over our city. Jesus rebuked storms, he rebuked the demonic, he rebuked unbelief, he was driving out worldly and demonic systems out of his church, and that we, when we say the same thing, the same authority that Jesus did it is on our lips. So when we say, kingdom of God come, we are speaking directly into anything that is not in relationship with the Lord. I keep going on about this, and I'm saying it the way I'm saying it is because I want us to recognize that we are living in a day where the kingdom of God has to be manifested in power. And it will be manifested when the church, his body, is in the right position and is speaking the very will of heaven over a world that is dying. And it only comes to life when the people of God speak what the Lord is saying over his people. Are you noticing what is going on in the world? I'm sure everybody is. I noticed something this week. There is a verse that I can't quote you the exact um, where it is in the Bible, but it's in the Bible, so it's legal. It, it basically said that... Um, all wickedness that was hidden will be shouted from the rooftops. And even just very small, I don't sort these, seek these things out, but this week I've seen cheating in poker, chess, and Irish dancing all come out in the same week. I don't know about Irish dancing. I don't know. But it caught my attention to think, well... Something was going on that was hidden is now in the open. And I wouldn't you, would you not agree over the last couple years, we've been seeing things that have been hidden come out into the light. I believe that's happening for two reasons. One, because the Lord has had enough. And two, it's when we as a body say kingdom of God come, we are driving out the evil one. Like we, we have to put an emphasis of actually the power and the authority that we have as a believer that when we say kingdom of God come, something happens. So a way to approach this part of the Lord's Prayer, which is kingdom of God come, I've got a little tool for you that can help. It's called the five C's. Church, community, city, country, and continents. Not incontinence. Church, community, city, country, and continents. These are five areas that you as a believer, myself included, 
have been invited in to pray and call down heaven in all five of those areas. And that's what we're going to do right now. So I want you to turn to your neighbor to your left or right. If you're not with someone, someone you can see. And I want us for one minute, 30 seconds each way, to pray the kingdom of heaven to come down either in the church, the community, the city, the country, or the continent. Go. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Number three. Give us today the food that we need. Give us today the food that we need. Now, what I love about this is we've acknowledged who the Heavenly Father is. We've called down heaven to come on other people, systems, our city, our area. This is what I love about the system of heaven. We've acknowledged who our Father is. We've wanted to pray the blessing over someone or someone else. Now it's, now it's your turn. Now, it's, now you get to go before the Father and bring your own request to him. So give us today the food that we need. I just want to say on this, what I love about this is that I believe that, and we've, heard, we've said this a lot during worship, we come on a Sunday to gather and bring our sacrifices, our alabaster jar for the Lord that is already full when we come in and throw it at the feet of Jesus. We do that because what we're doing is we are actually um, counterculturally coming into the building, not like anywhere else, whether it's a restaurant, a pub, where we're empty and we want someone to fill our need. We're coming as believers, full, ready to give glory to God. So that as we throw it down, he fills us back out and we go out of here at the beginning of our week, ready to share everything that God has given to us during our week. So this is almost a challenge for us of a culture that is so me-focused and I-focused. I believe the prayer is discipling us to say, if you become too focused on your own issues or the, your needs, you actually miss who Father is and the call of God to release heaven into your area. So this is actually an order, I believe, is that I'm not saying that we ignore our needs, but if we become needs-focused, then it's the horse before the cart. Or the cart before the horse. Thank you. You know what I meant. This is why I talked about intercession last week. If we can enter the prayer time with our Lord, going in there going, I'm ready to lift someone else up first before I bring my needs before the Lord, I believe that is actually a heart posture before the Lord, and it will serve us well. Learning to trust God when we give him our needs. Let me tell you a fun little story a couple of weeks back. I, um, I've learned this um, in my walk with the Lord. I've learned something over the last um, six months, and it was specifically, I didn't know I was learning it, but it came into effect two weeks ago, and is that when I go before the Lord with a need or a concern or a challenge, I've started to realize that the Lord has given me a gift of believing that when I give it to the Lord, I just know he's got it, like it's in his hand. 
You, you ever felt like when you're praying, you feel like you're almost saying the same thing, but you feel like God's not catching it? I, I couldn't explain what's happened, but there's just this moment where I just believe that when I say, God, I need your help, he actually hears me and he does something. And it is something that I've learned to cultivate that is probably the, most, it's the best thing you can say to the Lord, which is help. Because I'm fully reliant on him and not on myself. But actually trusting that as a son is who he calls me. And as me being an earthly father, I know the connection I have with my kids that when they ask me something, every part of my being just wants to connect and help. I'm learning to receive that for myself and trust that when I say, God, can you help me? He not only knows, but I know he's working on my behalf. If you want that, you just ask for it. It's faith. It's, it's, and he'll give you situations to learn in it. And I had one two, three weeks ago. I was given the opportunity to go to London to go speak on a TV show on TBN called Revival Ready with a friend of mine called Steve Upple. Um, he's an amazing man of God, leads a wonderful church in Wolverhampton. It's where the, the Lloyd Bottoms are actually from. Um, Mark, Steve Upple's actually coming here in December to share with us. Um, but he's just an amazing guy that God is using for the UK. And I just love what God is doing through him and his wife's ministry um, around the UK. But because I was speaking on this TV show, you get given a brief and saying you need to come to... Um, London with about two or three sets of nice clothes because you're going to be in different episodes. Now, I've never done anything like this before. And instantly, when I heard it, I thought, oh, no, TBN in America, Gold Thrones, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, But it wasn't anything like that. But check this out. So I get on like the 10 to 6 um, bus, National Express to London to get there on time. And um, I get out of Earl's Court. And the bus driver goes into the back to give me my bag of clothes and only to find that the bus driver had given my bag to someone on the previous stop. And guess where the stop was? Heathrow. And so what happened was, is I'm looking and going, well, that's not my bag. I can't take this person's bag. So I go off into this um, North London TV show with the clothes I'm wearing. They weren't TV clothes but they were close. And when I contacted the National Express and told them what the bus driver had done, and, and you know, a few hours later, I get this phone call going, um, Mr. Horsfall, just wanted to say, so sorry what's happened, but good news, we found your bag. I'm like, brilliant. And then already I'm thinking, right, I'll give you the address of where I am because then you, I need it right now. You can send it to the address in London. Um, Jonathan, we found your bag, um, but the other part is, is that the bag is actually currently on its way to Turkey. And what had happened was, was the lady who took my bag, didn't look it, went through security, okay, went through security, went through security, and they said, did you pack anything in your bag that you didn't know about? Oh, no, no, this is my bag. Went through security, got to the gate, realized it wasn't my bag, and said, you can't leave a bag in an airport alone because they'll think it's explosive. So they took it with them to Turkey. So... I then had this moment of going, okay, so this person who took my bag contacted their daughter and their daughter is now contacting me and she's like, I am so sorry. Um, We will get your bag back. So I thought, all right, I can't do anything about it. Carry on, carry on with my time in London. And I get back and I'm now in this position where I haven't heard anything from this person. And my bag's in Turkey. And I'm like, 
you're in a position where you have to trust someone you don't know that you've met five seconds on a WhatsApp message that they're going to do something that's incredibly valuable to you, but they have no clue, don't know what's in there. Um, they felt really bad, by the way, and I joked. I said, you know, your mum can put, wear any of my clothes if she wants to. Did not find that funny. She did not find it funny because they thought I had their bag. So I guess I messaged them and I'm like, hey, guys, could I please have my bag back? And they messaged me saying, well, look, we'll give you your bag when we get our bag back. And I'm like, I don't have your bag. So instantly I realized that if I told them what I really thought in a Christian way, I would lose relationship with this person and that bag would be done. And so I had this wonderful opportunity to show grace and support this couple who took my bag and needed to convince them that they needed to give me the bag back. And this is a moment where I'm like, God, there's nothing that I can do with my words to get my bag back. I am in, I've got no control. And if I take control, I'm never getting it back. So I had to literally take a step back in the Lord and say, God, I need that bag. But I'm trusting in you that you can get this done because I can't. Because I know if I push, they'll get offended. And so I let go and say, God, this is up to you. I can't do anything about this, but I'm trusting you. And my bag came back five days ago, which is amazing. Very cool. But my point is this, is that when we think about our needs, they are valuable to the Lord. He cares about your needs. So for 30 seconds, I want you to ask the Lord, what are your needs? To the Lord. What are the things right now that deep down, even maybe you even be too afraid to say it out loud, or you haven't even been asked this question for a long time? Because I tell you what, the Lord is listening right now. For 30 seconds, tell him what your needs are. Go. Fully knowing that your needs are important to him. Fully knowing that you can trust him with your needs that he is a good father, that there is no need in heaven, and he loves, loves putting a smile on your face. All right, next one, next cheese wedge. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, Isn't it interesting that this is what Jesus said, but we know Jesus never sinned. So Jesus had no sin, but he taught us, his disciples, on how it would be for us to talk to the Lord about our sins. And listen, we are a family, which I said that we have the same father. And I can tell you that inside family, which is a it's like a walled garden of safety, of, of comfort, of growth. But it's also an area where challenges come in. And it is up to us in our maturity as Jesus followers, not Jesus believers, but following the example of Jesus, forgiveness you can't run away from. Forgiveness is not, an, is not, is not you can't by, by step this part of the faith. I know 
that every single person in this room has been hurt by someone. I know that it is painful. I know that there is deep injustice that has happened to you, that has not been fair. In kindness and in love, Jesus gave us not only the grace to forgive, but he also said this just after the Lord's Prayer. So here we're talking about forgiveness, and then after the Lord's Prayer, he talks about it again. He says in Matthew 6, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will, for, will not forgive your sins. You see that there's like an ecosystem of heaven that's set up here in forgiveness. I remember years ago, well, maybe about four years ago, um, I raised my voice in our home. Can you believe it? And I remember uh, my eldest at the time, eldest, was in the room. I was frustrated. And I remember maybe a few hours later when we were going out to the park, we were walking outside, and I heard the, the Lord speak to me and say, you need to ask forgiveness to your daughter. And it was, it was a, it, and, I, and I, I did it, but it was almost the first moment I felt as a father that the Lord was correcting me for fathering my daughter. And I knew this was like a golden opportunity. And I remember turned to um, my daughter, who was three at the time, and I said, hey, Evelyn, um, I want to ask your forgiveness for when I raised my voice earlier. And as soon as I did that, her response was nothing came out of her mouth. She just came running towards me and gave me a hug. And I learned something about forgiveness on what it is like to feel it from the other side is that my daughter's response when I extended forgiveness on, and I took responsibility for my junk, my daughter's response was, I believe, is the response that is, in, is embedded in every single person in this room. That when we are given an opportunity to forgive and we say yes, it's the blessing of heaven on it. Jesus raised the bar for forgiveness, guys, for us as we read what happens when he was being crucified. Jesus forgave the guards that beat him and crucified while he was on the cross, not after. This, 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 this forgiveness that Jesus gave was while he was being punished, not after. And, I, and, and hear me, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, put a, a thought into anyone's mind to say that that would then maybe you put yourself in that situation and say, well, I didn't do that. What I'm drawing attention for is that there is a grace available for you and I to extend forgiveness over one of God's kids that does hurt, but it is the best blessing you can give to that person. This is not easy. I'm preaching to myself as I say this. But this is something that is built into the very essence of who we're called to be. Keep a check on yourself. Take responsibility for your behavior. A prayer even in this is, Father, where was I wrong? 
Lord, how could I have handled myself better? Even asking forgiveness to the Father is so key. Prayer takes us to the very core of humanity. And that this is cheese wedge number three or four. We're not even finished. But I can feel it and hear it in the room. That there is a grace today if you want it. That you can, through Jesus' help, forgive anyone or anything or any organization. Hear me here when I say this. Forgiveness does also not give that person trust. That has to be rebuilt. But forgiveness is a gift that you give to someone. And it doesn't only set them free, it sets you free. So Father, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, as you're speaking, would you just right now just come and just bring us to anyone, anything, any situation to our mind, Holy Spirit, that you're asking us to forgive? Go. Father, where do I need to forgive myself? After you've forgiven yourself, ask the Lord, who do I need to forgive? Well done, guys. This is not easy. This is not easy, but the reward is great. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. And don't let us yield to temptation. This, uh, this part of the, the wedge is called guiding. And I believe there's two parts to this. Because here's the, here's the funny thing. If you're being guided by God, then you're not being guided by anyone else. So do you believe this? As believers, as we are walking in faith, as we are growing in the Lord, our job is actually really simple. It's to listen to what the Father is saying and obeying him. That's it. What he's telling you to do right now is what you need to do. And if there's anything, yeah, but, or there's any mixture in that, then I suggest what's actually happening with us is that we are fulfilling the famous song by Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. You see, it isn't always as black and white as that. But if you were to picture someone in your mind who is rejecting guidance from the Lord, you, you may, depending if you grew up in the church or you might have an image in mind, you might think of, oh, a perfect example would be the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son decided he wanted to go in an opposite way of his father. He took his inheritance, ran off with the money. Then as you see what happens, he gets in trouble. He's eating food with the pigs. This is a real story. It's mental if you've not heard it before. And then he comes back. And so the image of, of walking away from the Lord is so grandiose. It's so big. The imagery, imagery is huge. But that is an extreme picture. Actually, being guided by God or being guided by yourself, I believe, sometimes looks like this. And it's a football analogy, so that about 10% of the room will understand this. But I find as a shepherd, shepherding people, sometimes I encounter people, and the situation is this. It's like football. It's the 86th minute in a game. You're 3-0 down. You've used all your substitutions, and then you bring someone in to say, we need a win, and we've got four minutes left. And what happens in life is that we end up making decisions not actually based on what the Father is saying 
And then when it goes wrong, we don't know where to, who to speak to or where to go. And it's almost like it's got so bad. How did I get here? And the question I ask is, how did you get here? And what has the Lord been saying to you? You know, there's a, an imagery in Psalm 23 that talks about the, the rod and the staff. They comfort me. Do you guys know that part in the verse? Very famous. Your rod and staff comfort me. A shepherd has two staffs in his hand, a, sh- a rod and a staff. Now, the staff, as sheep walk close to the shepherd, the staff, not the hook end of the staff, but the very bottom end of the staff, is a part of an um, instrument the shepherd uses is to lightly touch the sheep if they slowly start to veer off the path. And I'm talking if the shepherd knows where we're going, he's leading sheep. If there's one sheep that takes two steps slightly off, the staff very gently just comes and just gently touches the side of the sheep. And the sheep knows, because he knows the voice of the shepherd, the kindness and the nature of the shepherd. Ah, the shepherd is leading me back on the path. Now, if there are sheep, though, that actually ignore the gentle touch of the Lord, the voice of the shepherd, the concern of, hey, you're about to go off, he has the rod. Now, where the rod comes in, personally, I believe, and there are shepherds in this room, so I'm going to get emails after this, but the rod, I don't believe, is to actually beat the sheep with, because if you beat a sheep, you can't walk, and then it's a dead sheep. That's my logic. But the point of a rod would be is that the shepherd, if he finds a sheep that is constantly walking on its own direction, he takes the rod and as it's about to walk off, it takes the rod and whacks it on the floor. So it startles the sheep. It's like a wake up. You're about to go into danger. And so here you've got the, 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 comforter, the comfort of the, the, the staff, which is gentle touches. And then you've got the rod, which is a wake-up. Now, I know in my life, and if you're going to be really honest, we've all experienced both. Yeah? When it comes to the Lord's guidance, we're in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and any decision that you need to make right now, the Lord will speak to you if you want Him to speak back. If you want the guidance of the Lord, then what I'm saying is the best way to do it is in humility, even through this prayer, which is a prayer of submission to the Lord, Father, would you lead me? I don't want to be like Frank Sinatra and doing it my way. God, would you lead me in every decision, in where my eyes are fixed, in any desire, Lord, that is in line with you. God, I I don't want ambition to be my guide. I don't want... um, Anything driving me that is other than what you see over my life. So that's one thing of saying it before God. The other is, are you in submission and yielding to the people that God has put in your life right now? Hence why life groups is not just a nice suggestion. It's actually set up to guide us in our path as we go. I hear stories constantly of those in a life group. People come round one another and help people go through trials, go through um, situations that you could not go through by yourself. Not because you're weak, but because God designed us to go through everything together. And so by confessing this, 
Do, Lord, don't let us yield into temptation. Be our guide. It also is not just a prayer. It's a reality. I need you in my life. I need you to speak into my life. Students, you've just had maybe a month of coming to this city and you've probably been thrown a million different choices of how you, how you should live your life being in Bath. Whether it's Freshers' Week, whether it's even, even decisions on what church to go to, who to hang out with, where you live, all those kind of things. All of these, if at the stage of where you're at, make every decision knowing that it comes from the Lord. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You want to be planted where God wants you. That is the best place to be. And I want to tell you that you're lucky, you're blessed to be in a city where God is moving across all the churches. And don't, if you're deciding of where to go as a church, you're deciding to go where, don't, don't go to a place that you're just excited to be there. Go because you know that the Lord is calling you to be there. Plant yourself in community, serve the house, and allow the Lord to pour into you. We have um, th- this church um, was started over 50 years ago from a group of students meeting and praying. So there is a lineage of God speaking to sh- people that come from other nations and other areas of, the na- of, of this um, nation. And God uses them. And whether you're here for the first time and you're going to go somewhere else, we want to just bless you. So if you're a student here, we bless you to hear from the Lord. Be guided to exactly where God wants you to be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Knowing your season is key. Jesus, when he turned to his disciples before he was crucified, he said, guys, please stay here and pray for me. And the disciples didn't. And his response was, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. If you're asking for guidance, then seek it from the Lord. All right, you're going to really quickly turn to the person that you've been praying for, and you're going to say, where is God leading you? And then the person's response afterwards is, what are you going to do about it? Go. All right. You see, what I love about what we've just done is we've acknowledged where God is leading us, and we've confessed it to one another. And now the best bit is, is that the person heard it, you're now accountable to that person. Oh, we love that word, don't we? We love that word because this is actually the gospel, the kingdom of God working in our lives that we can say next week, hey, did you do what God asked you to do? Oh, who's going to come to church next week? All right, last one. I have 30 seconds. Really simple. But rescue us from the evil one. When we say it together, but rescue us from the evil one. One more time. But rescue us from the evil one. I just want to acknowledge this and for us to acknowledge that any trial, any season that we're in, we are called as believers to stand and resist the devil. And what I would love to do is to end is that we could stand right now. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And just as a confession of our mouth, 
not only for everyone over yourself, but the people around you. Just look around you. Just look behind you. Look in front of you. Look who's come here today. That we as believers stand not on our strength, but Jesus' strength. And in unison, we resist and we ask you to rescue us from the evil one. Okay? So we're going to say it, but we're going to say it one time and we're going to say it like we mean it. Okay? All right, church, we're going to be American for 30 seconds, okay? Yeah, come on. Come on. Can we just not be English just for this little bit? I've put up for it. No, I'm kidding. All right. Three, two, one. But rescue us from the evil one. Father, I pray, Lord, the blessing, the promise, and the call over the Lord's prayer to rest on us today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you right now would go through all of those areas of that prayer. Father, I thank you that even as we've gone through it, there's been alignment that's come into people with their relationship with you. That actually there are things that have been said that you've received where actually the enemy has lied to you. And that we are not only to resist it, but we are to destroy any works of the enemy in our own lives, in our families, in our city, and the nation. So, could we just quickly get the slide of all of them? Father, we just pray, Lord, that we would know you as Father, that we would stand in the kingship and rule that the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is coming when we declare it. Lord, that we can trust you with our needs. Father, that you would give us the grace to forgive ourselves and others. Lord, that you would guide us in these days to be into the, into the right spaces for our callings. And Lord, that you would guide us to put the right people in front of us in the right timing. And Father, that you would be the shield that you promised to be in Psalm 3. That Lord, you are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Father, we stand on this prayer. We declare it over Life Church Bath and everyone here online. And we say, Father, we walk into this week standing on the promises of the Lord's prayer. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.